Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. satisfied with the work done in pre-season there was one concern knowing at Graham Soonis as matters got underway for real. The only worry in the horizon is the constant fear of injuries to key players he wrote in his diary on the 12th of August. Last season was a nightmare for us and since I came here as manager I found it hard to come to terms with the amount of injuries we pick up. For understandable reasons, Sunis compared so much of his Rangers experience with his time at Anfield and initially was amazed at how his Liverpool side could win a title using only 14 players when he had used 26 and 29 players in his first two seasons respectively. Eventually he realised that the reality of being a Rangers player is that every week is someone's cup final. Be really the story about Bill Struth told him by the veteran football writer Jim Roger when he used to say to potential signings, I hear you're a great player, son, but can you play for Rangers? That, according to Sunis, was what it was all about. The ability to face up to the unrelenting physical and mental pressure of life in the small pond. On 8th of October, his side's unbeaten start to the season would face its biggest threat. To discuss that and many other things, I am joined on Dominant this week by David Edgar. How are we, David? Hello, I'm great, mate. Uh, very good to be to be back. Looking forward to, to getting into this. This is a, a, a huge season in my childhood and, and my life, and uh, it's going to be a joy to talk about it. Good, good. Looking forward to it as well. And with David for this season. Anyway, comes Alan Bradley. Good evening, Alan. Yeah, good evening. Yeah, uh, all fine here. Uh, like David, really looking forward to this. And one of my favourite seasons. I think the last time David and I were on, it was, my goodness, everything that could <laughs> go wrong. It did go wrong, so really looking forward to this one as well, yeah. I don't want to go over all ground, because uh, John and Andy obviously covered the, the start of this season last week, but it really was a case of, for the first, and I think only time really was soonest in these five seasons, out the starting blocks with real purpose, real quality, and spending the rest of the season keeping other teams at arm's length. That that that, that really was the, the, the luxury Sunis afforded himself, David. Um, before we get into some of the details around, around the show, really around his obsession, his paranoia about injuries, and <laughs> understandable as it would turn out, um, your thoughts on this side in general? I think in terms of balance um, between this blend of, of steel and skill that, that Sunis often struggled with, getting that balance right, uh, I think this is one of the most underrated Rangers teams of all time. Yeah, I would agree with that. And a large part of it is obviously fondness from childhood, but I have gone back and watched a lot of the the evidence, if you like, the, the matches, the highlights, the full matches that are available of this of this team. And I think yeah, when you watch old football, and unfortunately now that you know, 34 years this is, old football um 
the you go much further back and you compare it to what you watch these days where the athleticism through the roof and the skill level is magnificent, the pitches are better. It sometimes compares badly, and, and it's not fair to do that, but it's hard not to. I think this Rangers team compares pretty well to modern football. I think it's sharp, it's incisive, it's strong. Um, it, it, it's got a physicality that you needed then that you probably wouldn't be, not know probably about it, you wouldn't be allowed now. But but they could play, they could really play. They were tactically switched on as well. And little things like their ability to press. We mentioned McCoy over in... Uh, Romania last week wasn't an isolated incident their ability to uh, use the space and things that are commonplace in football now that really weren't discussed at all then, they really weren't things that that you heard or read about I I think this team had it in in abundance and as you say there's a balance, there's a symmetry to it that's absolutely lovely I think um, uh, as males in particular have we've got a thing about symmetry if you've ever sat at dinner with a group of uh, men and women the men will always sort their cutlery into <laughs> yeah. right angles and, <laughs> and you're perfectly equidistant from each other and this side has that it's got a lovely pleasing geometry to it um, and it's got skill it does have skill it's got passers it's got people who can beat a man it's got great delivery from the wide areas it's got raw athleticism um, at levels that we maybe hadn't necessarily seen before in those positions um, Gary Stevens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The best on the, the, the bleep test by Miles after Italy. Yeah. Just an absolute he athlete. a machine. And, and you didn't get right backs in, in Scotland really before, did, did you, Alan? It, it, it was kind of like the right back was the guy who sort of was, you know, the defender for that bottom corner of the field. That was pretty much all there was to it. Yeah, the, the only exception would have been, believe it or not, Sandy Jarvin. Sandy, Sandy Jarvin. Uh, to be yeah. fair, maybe McGrain. If, yes. if you're really, you know, to be fair, maybe McGrain. But then that's why they were the standouts of, mm-hmm. you know, their entire generations. It just wasn't common. I think what you've said as well about the, the kind of mixture and the balance and so on, absolutely. But at the internationals as well, you just need to look along. You know, Butcher, Goff, Woods, you know, the likes of Gary Stevens, McCoist, you know, obviously Durant would have been to uh, Wilkins. You know, you, you can see right across the whole team. You know, there was just so much in terms of quality. But you're right. I think we mentioned the previous season. Believe it or not, I was optimistic at this one because I just thought who we had now with Ian Ferguson coming in too. And we, we had, Martin, I think you mentioned it, the ability as well to handle that Scottish, you know, the fact that you do need to be able to get in there and dig in Derek Ferguson's and so on. But again, some of the play, if as you said, David, and you watch some of the old games, some of the kind of the linking and the the way they're passing. Even if you if you look at some of the European stuff as well, some real quality all over. So no, I mean this definitely. I think this team definitely underrated. No, oh, I, I I couldn't. I mean, I had that position and opinion before I started this project, but it's it's been been reinforced. I don't know if anyone's read Sandy Jamison's book on, on Graham Souness, uh, The Ibrox Revolution and the, the, the Legacy of the Iron Ladies Man. It, it's an interesting book. Some of the, the, the political stuff, the political arguments are are, are, are are interesting. You can get on board with them. Sandy, I don't know him. Um, he comes across as this kind of self-loathing West of Scotland Protestant kind of guy. Um, he now has a website set up for 
for, for, for Celtic supporters and basically people that have a, a kind of wider appreciation of football outside, you know, the, the British Isles. It's, it's very, uh, very right on and, and, and hip um, would probably be the best way to describe it. But when, when reviewing the, the football during Sunnis' his years, um, he admitted that, you know, he his assumptions were, and this, this book was written 97, 98, around that time, his assumptions mm-hmm. were that this would be a kind of dour and prosaic and this kind of Calvinist pragmatism that we talk about. And he found himself having to reassess that in terms of its quality, in terms of its style, in terms of its balance, in terms of the genuinely entertaining, exciting games um, that, that that they made up such a large part of, of, of this period. Um, but let's get moving with, with the, the, the time that we have to look at tonight. We're going to start 8th of October. As I said, Rangers unbeaten. They're three points ahead in the league. Uh, just one draw and the six uh, wins. Um, and they got to Pitodri. Not a fixture that, that needed any extra spice. But, you know, soon as not ever completely settled was he with his, his squad. He always liked to tinker and, and a, a dip into the market. Uh, and he brought another midfielder to Ibrooks, a former Aberdeen player, which probably didn't go down particularly well, Neil Cooper. Um, this was mainly because yet another falling out with Derek Ferguson. He failed to make the squad, what, 16 times in that, that, that first 20 games. Um, so this was... As soon as maybe thinking, you know, he's, he's definitely on the way out. I'll, I'll bring um, a replacement in um, already. As uh, soon as wouldn't start this game, Cooper Wood he scored the opening goal, celebrates wildly. That the tone is set. It is a frenzy of a game. Um, Jim Betty equalised, and, and Charlie Nicholas grabbed a winner for Aberdeen with a kind of weird looping header with only five minutes to go. So the first defeat. Um, as soon as said you know, it was a d- disappointment, but the result did not matter to any of us. Mark Walters called it one of the dirtiest matches I've ever played in. He failed to come back out for the second half due to an injury. McCoy's needed stitches in his head. John Brown suffered a bad leg injury. All were trivial, David, in comparison to the, the game's main incident. Um, eight minutes was all it took. Uh, Cooper had won, Neil Cooper, had won the ball from John Hewitt, got back to his feet, and he was clattered into by Robert Connor. Um... Referee Louis Thau blew his whistle for the free kick as the ball just ran into space near Ian Durant. Now, normally so aware, more aware than most players in Scotland about what was happening around him in a football field, he uncharacteristically relaxed, slowed down to control the ball and maybe try for a free, uh, quick free kick. Despite being the player closest to the referee's whistle, Neil Simpson's rage carried him through regardless um, and a young career was left hanging in the balance, David. I don't think you have to be aware on a football field of someone assaulting you, and that's what this was. This was not a tackle. This was a very deliberate stamp in an attempt to seriously injure a fellow professional footballer, and he succeeded in it. This was violence, and it wasn't in any way something that you could say was a part of the rough and tumble of a normal game. It was absolutely vile. Over the years, I've I've read a lot of people say, oh, the worst thing that can happen in a football park is spitting. No, it's not. <laughs> this is the worst thing that can happen on a football mm. park. It's someone trying to end your career. And that's what Neil Simpson did. And, you know, with it being overly dramatic, he should have been, you know, cast aside from from football 
wherever it's played because this was a a brutal, unprovoked, unnecessary, successful, sadly, attempt to hurt someone, and he very badly did hurt someone um, at an eight, at a, a, a period in history where an knee injury could end your career. It, you know, these days we're much more calm, although we've still seen players come back not the same player. Um, but it, in those days, an ACL was was quite often a death sentence for your career. And that's what he's gone in. He's gone in to hurt somebody. He's stamped on him. Um, and he succeeds. And for me, it's unforgivable. Um, it, it It is with malice. It's something he's decided he's going to do. And he does it. And I, I just find any chatter on this is absolutely uh, unbearable about, uh, you know, we've heard from people in Scottish media saying, well, you know, Neil Simpson suffered as well. Well, good. So he should have. Um, he did it. Uh, it wasn't Ian Durant who is not in any way, in any shape to, to, to blame him. Um, it's repulsive. It's a repulsive incident. And I think it says a lot that it's, you know, the last glorious thing in Aberdeen's history. Um, yeah, they were probably upset about Neil Cooper because he was a really good player. And I think yeah, they felt he was one of their own. You know, they brought him through. He was part of the Gothenburg team. Um, he'd gone down south, money. Uh, he, he was actually a cracking player up at Aberdeen. Um, I didn't see a lot of his time down south, any really of his time down south, so I can't comment. But... Um, at Aberdeen, he was a tremendous midfielder. You know, yeah. all you know, energy and guts and glory with a, a, a an underrated ability to pass. Um, and at quarter of a million pounds for Sunas to snap him up was made absolutely perfect sense. You'd be, you know, it would be silly not to buy a player of that quality at that kind of money. Um, so uh, Aberdeen have decided, you know, that that they don't like this, and it's again part of this. They've been top dogs and they're not top dogs anymore. And they they could not handle it, despite at the time having a very good side. Uh, you mentioned some of the names there, Jim Bett, Charlie Nicholas. These are quality players. And they were, you know, certainly in the conversation to win a, a league title, um, certainly in consideration for any domestic trophy in, in Scotland. But the, they knew that they weren't the story and, and they had been the story, you know, in Scotland and out with Scotland in the first half of the 80s. They had been. And they knew that this regression to normal, which was the old firm, um, I think they, 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 they sensed, uh, maybe even on a subconscious level, that that was it. You know, we have had the best time in our history. And it is now coming to an end. It wasn't completely over. They were still more than capable of winning trophies. But they they did know that in terms of this dominance and this, you know, new firm thing was was over almost before it had began. Um, you mentioned earlier the amount of injuries Rangers suffer. Well, there's a few reasons for it. And soon as couldn't get his head around it. One is conditioning. Players didn't look after themselves. We know that. There's... You know, so much evidence of it. Two is the shabby medical treatment they got, best exemplified by Phil Bosma mm-hmm. putting the injury mm-hmm. up on his, his up, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, picking him up and, and giving him basically a backy mm-hmm. off off the park. Phil Bosma's an ex footballer. He wasn't, you know, what the hell is he doing as Rangers physio? Because he was a friend of Sunnis's. Yeah. So yeah, Sunnis has to take some 
responsibility for this. Uh, You could see the leg. You could actually see the leg below the knee just kind of moving in your... Of all, do you know, that's the one where you've really got to, you know, kind of make sure everything's secure. And to do that, Ian, uh, to do that, I I don't know, Ian Durant's potentially could have made things a lot worse, David. I've got zero doubt that it did. Um, And again, you, you can put the argument forward that... Uh, you know, we didn't know as much in those days. Uh, well, we should have, and we should have had a, a qualified professional physiotherapist there, yeah, yeah. and we should have had the, the proper equipment. If a player got carried off down south, he got carried off. He got stuck on a stretcher and, and carried off. Um, so I, I have kind of limited sympathy for this idea that Sunis was tearing his hair out about injuries. If he didn't know, he should have done. Um, Rangers were not adequately prepared at this point. Um, we know that British players in general did not look after themselves in this era, which of course makes them more susceptible to injuries. Mark, you and I have discussed in the past, Brian. Yeah, uh, but you and I have discussed the past, Brian Robson. Mm, you're fine. Brian Robson, yeah. what, what wonderful footballer, but a guy who would, you know, by his own admission, drink nine pints yeah. every second night and wondering why he was he was generally getting, you know, picking up injuries in training. Um, that your body. Was, was struggling as it was, you know, with the amount of football that was played in this era, there was a lot of it, the kind of pitches you were playing on. And then you would, you know, go and get, uh, you know, go and treat your body like that in your, your leisure time. So it, it's a combo of those things added into the ferocious football matches that Rangers would often find themselves in, added into the fact that it was a time where you could tackle in a, a far mm. more aggressive um, and dangerous way. But on this particular incident, I, I just think the whole thing is, it still has the capacity even now to make me angry. First of all, what happened to Ian Durant. Secondly, the, the complete lack of remorse and uh, punishment for the perpetrator. And thirdly, the way almost immediately from the second the incident happens, his treatment was mishandled. Yeah. I mean, we discussed it on a, on a previous show with John and Andy, I think, um, might have been talking about the butcher. Um, You're telling him to stamp it? You've broken yeah. your leg to stamp it and see yeah. if it's okay? No, no, no. Run it half, son. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this whole thing, this, I think I've, I've, I've said this before, but this whole project, these 12 years, um, is a study of modernisation and some advances, some successful attempts at modernising the club, um, and some unsuccessful. And I would say, broadly speaking, you can graph that in, in two ways, that the first six years, five, six years, probably is, is the height of things working and, and, and taking off and, and succeeding and Rangers pushing ahead with this, that, and, and the other on the field, off the field, uh, and maybe that that decline, that regression, that, that narrower focus, more parochial focus. Um, but you're absolutely right, and when it comes to, 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 to medical care, when it comes to, 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 to the physio, it's an old pals act. Um, it's uh, this this incident here, redolent of seventies practices that are that are well out of date by by nineteen eighty eight. Um, and the whole thing, uh, the, the the treatment of them, the, the viciousness of the assault, um, it just said that that you know Scottish football was just not not moving it just you know rangers were, were doing their bit but still even um internally we weren't um pushing all the buttons at that that, that particular moment alan 
Duran, I mean, with this is this still happens now. We you, there's plenty of issues, not just in Scotland but uh, mm-hmm. England as well. I'm sure all over Europe. Um, I understand when when an incident like this happens, a hero is injured. Uh, that the player, the club that carried out that incident, are hated for for a long time. I get that. That makes sense to me. A support has lost something, and they blame it on this mm. club, this player. What I never get is the booing, the abuse for the player that's been injured. <laughs> um, Durant, Durant was booed off. Durant, there were people queuing up to boo and scream abuse at him as he was carried onto the bus. And this is the other thing, by the way, not in an ambulance to a, to a hospital, um, into the team bus and strapped to the back seat. Uh out the game, Durant, I mean, obviously on painkillers, David Holmes sat with him all through the second half, all through the game, so it was a very early injury. Um, basically just sitting with him um, and promising that, you know, we'll stand by you, you'll be alright, which he did. And he was obviously true to his word. Um, but this absolute visceral hatred for the victim, I, I've never Mar- understood. No, I, I mean, Martin, a few things... Durant was the hottest property, I think, in Scottish football, potentially British. Yeah. You know, the way he'd been developing over those. So there was that one. There was the fact that it's within the first few minutes as well, which kind of makes you think, who am I up against? You know, I'm going to get in early. I'll maybe just get a, you know, a warning. I think David and I, the last time we were on, we talked about Sunnis and some of his ridiculous stuff as well. But we said, and OK, we'd be a wee bit hypocritical if... You know, if the guy was playing an hour. But I think Neil Simpson went way, way over. He went way over that line, I feel. But the other one, too, that gets me, and I don't think I am the exception, it's this Aberdeen Rangers thing. Now, if that was Paul McStay putting my hands up and he went off, I really don't think we would be, well, certainly the decent Rangers fans, seeing something like that happening. But it's the way that the Aberdeen fans at that point in time, but again, continuing... You know, with this, I just can't get my head around that one at all. Can I... Aaron Ramsey, David. Aaron Ramsey would be another one, David, wouldn't he? He got it from Stoke, yeah. yeah. He got it. I don't don't get it. That tackle. Do not understand. Here's my my theory on it. Mm -hmm. You're you're welcome to to shut it down. But again, I go back to Aberdeen fans. and, And this was really formed in the 90s as opinion Aberdeen fans watched this uh, this this era first of all it slowed down you know after Ferguson left and then it absolutely just came to a full stop a yeah, yeah. full stop uh, under Willie Miller um, they were the treble runners up 92 93 you'll get to that Martin um <laughs> they were the tre- they were the treble runner up they he changed the team completely that summer and they just avoided relegation and since then Aberdeen have been a joke club this then was mm-hmm. the, the era of you know eight nils and you know Ebby Scove Dallin and I mean and through the 90s I felt that this Durant thing um which hadn't been that prevalent early on um immediately after it it became such a big thing similarly songs about the Ibrox disaster became such yes, a big thing yeah. My my theory on it is that as Aberdeen fans realised that they were going further and further away from that period when they were the best club in the country and, you know, 
out with Scotland, people respected them, and they were becoming worse and worse and worse and a joke. The, the fans had ad- adopted this almost compensatory, well, to make up for it, right, that what we can no longer taunt you that we're better than you. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to become the most offensive that we yeah. can possibly be. We're going to become like the the Roy Chubby Brown of Scottish football. And what we'll do is we know we can't lord it over you. So what we'll do is we'll sicken you. It's disgusting. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely, and and the 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 fact they began to revel in it, I don't think is coincidental that it came at a time when the the team lapsed into, as I say, this this sort of joke area, and now Aberdeen are what they've always been about that amazing five year period, and, and not even anywhere close to what they had been in the five years after it. Now they are basically just you know a, a, a provincial club with a. a, a I support, you know, they're, they're not the third biggest club in the country, even, that's Hearts. And I think that this, you know, it's a way to stay relevant in their mind. It, it doesn't translate, but it's a way to stay relevant. Um, and their, their argument for it, I've heard this put forward by Aberdeen fans as well, it annoys you. And you're like, well, great. You know, if that's if that's how you want to be, we can we could all do that. You know, we could all go in there and sing sick songs about people dying, yeah, people, people being, dying yeah, or yeah. murders, etc. Um, but we like to think that we're all, you know, a wee bit more mature than that. Yeah, and yeah. and I think it's the other way they have Martin and and Alan of clinging on to this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Now you speak to any Rangers fan and we'll always say it, you're not a rivals. We don't look for your result. Um, if you're playing Celtic, we want you to win. Uh, you are not a rivals. It's like saying that, you know, Manchester City's big rivals are Stockport County just because they, they're geographically in the same country. It, it just isn't true. But I think in their mind, they're like, ah, but you get so annoyed at us mm. that we must be your rivals. It's like, well, no, no, we get annoyed at you because you're not even following yeah, right. basic standards of decency. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the thing that annoys me more, David, as well, is you're saying the average fan, you know, they're fans. But again, to me, that's the kind of thing where the board and the people in the club, you know, but again, they just seem to be, let's not piss off, you know, our home fans. But Because they, they, they've gone down yeah. to this rump now. Yeah, that yeah. If you look at their average attendances in this period, Martin will know better than me. I'd imagine they'd be around about 18,000, 19,000, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that years, stadium's decent. About that, yeah. Over the years, it's dropped now to a hardcore of about 8,000, right? Uh, of which, by the way, a large chunk are home and away fans. But mm-hmm. that is it now. That's the people who will go to Aberdeen matches with the exception of Rangers matches. So you're right, I think that they have been given carte blanche. And as the, uh, as the percentage of those fans has grown because the overall amount of fans is reducing, then they've become more powerful at Aberdeen. But yeah, to me, it is just an almost childish, you will, I'll get, you know, trouble as a form of attention as well. Uh, I'll get attention off you by by shouting and bawling. And it's to to try and manufacture some sort of rivalry with us that just isn't there in the mind of any Rangers fan. It's it's an interesting, I accept the theory for now. And accept the theory for the last twenty odd years, uh, because I think that's fair um, to say. Um, and yes, there would be a definite sense that post Fergie, where's the club going? 
soonest arrival, Queer's Rangers taking over, and that that causes tension. Um, and yes, at this moment in time, Celtic are the champions, the reigning champions. But the irony here for the next three or four years it is Aberdeen. Mm. We'll get to 92 93, obviously, in due course, but I, I remember going to a, a specific midweek game at Pataudry, a very defining game in that season, actually. The Gordon game? Aye, the Gordon game with the Hately header. Um, saying to my dad, You're more nervous for this than, than Parkhead by a mile. This is mm-hmm. a bigger mm-hmm. game. Far bigger game than Celtic. Celtic the, the, the Celtic challenge, as we will, we will talk about and enjoy uh, over the, 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 the next <laughs> yeah. um, few groups of shows, disappears to comedy levels. It is Aberdeen. Um, it's not as strong, clearly, because, you know, spoiler alert, Rangers win quite a few league titles. Um, but it's, it is there, and it would get very fucking close, don't forget, um, on, on one of those occasions, until that's a moment. May 91, where pretty much it's over. Um, mm-hmm. But this this thing is utterly visceral from the day. This isn't some kind of postmodern uh, next generation of wind-up merchants, um, which, of course, there is, uh, and they, they, they enjoy songs about things that you know didn't happen in their lifetime in order to, 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 to get a rise, and it's all part of that. That's nothing, it's nothing specific to Aberdeen Rangers either, by the way. That That is true. I go back to the, the, the Aaron Ramsey-Stoke thing. There's just this weird weird reaction to, to, to a, a dreadful injury like that. Um, despite the Neil uh, Simpson assault, gentlemen, the police had a wee look at this game and were potentially involved in an incident around this game. Does anyone know who was involved in that incident? No. Thanks for. I remember. Your... I remember a, a report, but. Thanks for doing your your, your prescribed reading. Um, Terry Butcher kicked the referee's door in. It would not be oh, the last yeah. door that Terry Butcher yeah. kicked in, and obviously with um, police action hanging over him, uh, that that would uh, be a, a nervy uh, few weeks before that was finally kind of put to bed. Terry Butcher did not travel home in the Rangers bus, he, shared, him and his wife, shared a, a, an evening of dinner and stayed at the house of Willie Miller and his wife uh, that night. It's a weird old game, football, with all this visceral rivalry. And then once it's all done, um, they're all showered and life goes on, almost as if it's a bit pantomime at times. No pantomime for Ian Durant. Uh, the damage, um, medial, anterior and posterior ligament, all ruptured and the lateral one stretched. The the surgeon likened it to something from a serious car crash. Durant said that the faces uh, on Sunus Smith and Holmes uh, were like mourners at his bedside when he, he came round, and the surgeon delivered the message that you know he may never play again. 21 years of age, his club's most prized asset, and really the potential to carry his country to levels he'd never reached, never mind just Rangers. It could all have just been switched off, um, but... The club were true to Holmes' word. Their investment and dedication to his long-term recovery was made. Uh, but yet again, for Graham Soonis and Rangers, the autumn had brought around a major injury. Still, Rangers were only two points clear at the top after that game, uh, that defeat at Pataudry. Following on that was a midweek visit to Hibs, uh, who the only other yeah. side to take anything from Rangers, a 0-0 draw. Um what could have been precarious was actually comfortable. McCoist, excellent strike, 23rd minute, mm. all that was required, yeah. and the gap was actually... Good finish. Yeah, it was a super finish. Gap was extended by another point. Um, and this theme, as I said before, of strong front runners 
just writing out songs, having that buffer, using the buffer. Because this is new, right? The the, the the first two seasons under Sunas is a shambles at the start. And we've got this kind of chaotic um, sense of, of trying to recapture a, a, a deficit. Uh, it's not the case here. Uh, there will be a 1-1 draw at St. Mern, um at the end of October. Um, but the only damage done there... Bothering my opinion that I've never seen a good Rangers game at St. Mern. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't <laughs> think you have. Um yeah, one one. Um, but Alan McCoy's down with another injury, a hamstring injury, um, that would keep him out until January. Uh, the equaliser, a very late equaliser that day, was scored by another uh, new short-term recruit and a lifelong fan, Andy Gray. Uh, yeah. he, he'd been brought up in the September when both McCoy and Drinkle were kind of out with short-term hamstring problems, just providing that that kind of cover. Uh, he popped up at the death in Paisley to keep that momentum going. I was there that day. I sat on an iron bar because it was far <laughs> too far too short to to, to to stand in the terraces of Love Street and see anything. Uh, dreadful game of football. Rangers one 0 down. Eighty-five minutes or whatever. Um, Told my dad I'm too cold or just he's too sore. Um, my bum's numb or whatever. Can I can I get down now? He said yes, sure. My feet hit the floor as uh, Andy Gray's head hit the ball, and everyone else just jumped up. So I missed the fucking goal. Um, but yeah, Gray popped up uh, that day. He actually uh, would score the following week in a, in a three 0 win over Hearts, and it was Hearts that Rangers faced when Gray arrived back in September in the Skull League Cup semi final. We Rangers didn't have a recognised striker on the field. They used Scott Nisbet and Mark Scott Walters Nisbet. and improvised yeah, front two. Yeah. And both scored. Yeah, both indeed both scored in three 0 win, which brought Rangers to play Aberdeen once again in the the Skull Cup semi. Uh, so the, the, the Skull Cup final. Gents, this is just two weeks after the game at Pataudry. Concerns, I think, were high about a revenge match. Uh, the BBC had Alan Ferguson, uh, the former Grade 1 referee, and as part of their, their lineup. Now, never in a million years would Alan Ferguson, a Grade 1 referee, be part of the, the BBC Scotland Cup final lineup, um, unless that was a topic of conversation, which of course it was. Um, he said, I'm absolutely astonished at the naivety of the Aberdeen management and Aberdeen as a club that Simpson is actually on the park today. I think if you're trying to stop vendettas happening, then you have to remove the source of the vendetta in the first place. It was on Sunnis' mind. Uh, he was trying to find a balance between avoiding mayhem, which is ironic, uh, and curbing that, that natural aggression that obviously Rangers would need to win um, to, to, to win a cup game. Um but it was not easy when, when the impact of Durant's injury was still so raw. He said Durant was one of the most popular players in the dressing room. Everyone had been upset about the injuries. In the end, all those fears were misplaced as both sides, even with this rivalry starting to rise to preeminence in the country, played out another fantastic cup final. Well, there's an outracking experience for a player at any time, but in the cup final, the Dutch goalkeeper to face Ali McCoyce. He's done it. One nothing for Rangers. And this was the clinical way that McCoy decided to put Rangers in front. Twenty minutes gone. Aberdeen with the corner kick. And that's an equalizer. God. 
the quality that attracted Shunas and others in the first place. Here's Bet. There's Dodds. And that's on the equaliser. A brilliant goal by Dodds. From there by Ferguson. Here's a chance and a brilliant save. What an ending to this game. Two minutes left. Superb entertainment. The both teams fighting to the end. With a lot of good football. Now this is good goalkeeping. That could have broken anyway. Golf is there. And it's there. almost impossible to top the previous season's final um, in terms of drama and excitement and you know 120 minutes and penalties the, the, the whole nine yards um, mm-hmm. but this ran it damn close maybe a slightly all-round better technical quality in the game um, but still another classic cup final breathless uh, absolutely yeah I think early on Davy Robertson who would come to us uh, makes a mess obviously the throw in uh, I think Drinko manages to get by Snellers and pulled down. Yeah, yeah we go one, we go one nil up, but uh, great finish by McCoy's. Then they kind of, I don't know, Woods does a Superman impersonation, doesn't he? From across, Grin kind of misses it, falls to David Dodds to go to us, uh, and obviously then it's one each. Uh, David Edgar, we had two men in the post and Neil Cooper, and still couldn't stop this one. Yeah, uh, and then obviously second second half. One of my favourite players of all time, Rangers, Ian Ferguson, with just that wonderful scissor kick coming over for the right-hand side in the penalty spot. Uh, just the way he finished it, the celebration. I seem to remember, I don't know, was it sports scene or whatever they had then? Did they not maybe show that in future ones at the start of it? Yeah, but it's just it one of those most famous, famous goals. Uh, on the Ian Ferguson thing, just thinking about him as well. I mean, obviously, I love the Rangers. Tough, could play anywhere the power in his shot as well, and the acceleration they had at that point, clearly we changed things later on, but you kind of built him up a wee bit, he played more of the kind of holding, or you know, more of that kind of defensive one, but I just loved Ian Ferguson, I just thought, to me he just typified that great Rangers spirit, and fantastic player, just really unfortunate, I think in terms of injuries, over the next few seasons as well, but... Yeah, it would, yeah, take, it would take a while, it would take a while to, to become... Fergie. I think Martin. Yeah, I think Martin. Because of the loving the Rangers and the boy growing up, some of those some of those guys tend to do that. as if they're trying a wee bit too yeah. hard, yeah. as opposed to some and playing through injuries that other pros would would have, wouldn't. Oh, there's a wee twinge. I'll, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be careful here. I think I'll set aside. He wasn't going to do that. I'll you know? just just be a professional. And say I'm not ready to play. I will do myself more harm 
I'll play when I'm I'm ready. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He's going to yeah. run through and through brick walls. And it probably wasn't until 92, 93, to be honest, that that he, you got that consistency out of, out of Ian Ferguson. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Davey, 2-2. Two, two, and you know, we're, you're in the realms of, of this happening again. The last half an hour of that game is wildly exciting if you're a neutral. There's chances all over the place. But there would be one more chance, and of course it would fall to McCoist in, in, in the box, a very typical alley finish, Davey. Um, but I go back again, so much fun, this competition, so much fun, these finals. Oh, wonderful, wonderful games, and, you know, uh, terrestrial television, and mm-hmm. everyone was aware of it and, and watched it, and it was this very quick competition as well at the start of the season, so it had a momentum and a and an impetus and yeah look um the game itself i mean i was you know I'll, I'll i'll excuse myself and say i was 10 but i couldn't understand why one of our players didn't go out and smash neil simpson you know and, and <laughs> yeah. my dad explained he'd get sent off and i said well if we're winning at the end can one of them do it and my dad, wonderful man that he is, went, well, I would hope so. So uh, I wasn't exactly discouraged. Nearly scored, Davey. Nearly scored. A beautiful chip, very clever from a free kick. And Woods is scrambling <laughs> to tip that yeah. over the back. Yeah, he did. And it was a, I mean, it was a hell of a stop, mm. um, which a, a smaller man wouldn't have managed, no. incidentally. Um, Chris Woods was a giant of a goalkeeper. Um, but... The game itself was, I, I, I would argue it's a better game from a technical point of view than the one the previous year because the defending, as you pointed out, Martin, on, on this show and that game the year before is like... It's, it's comic cut, wasn't it? Really uh, comic, uh, yeah. have, have these guys met before and were they aware of the concept of, of a football before? Um, whereas this year, it, it's a high quality game and, and you know, you look at the quality of the goals, people... Uh, have to work, I think, a bit harder for them. Some of the passing and play from both sides, in all fairness, was good. Mm. I mean, Aberdeen had some some ball players in there. This is not uh, a, a side that are uh, a kick and rush mob. Of course, they also have a target man, uh, and that is never a bad thing in Scottish football. We know that Sunis enjoyed it. But, you know, we, we go into the lead, um, and you're, you're feeling pretty good. But the Ferguson, Ian Ferguson was, I think, a very my generation player because this might be a wee bit difficult for people who maybe only caught him in the nineties to understand. But he was like Scottish football's glamour boy. Yeah, he'd come through highlights. at St Mirren and he, he had the highlights in his hair and he was cool. And uh, you know, Rangers wanted him, Manchester United wanted him. There was talk Liverpool and Arsenal wanted him. He scores a winning goal in the cup final, which at that time was a massive, massive thing. He scores a winning goal for St Mirren. And he cost a million quid. So all of that added up. He was really popular with people my age um, because of all that. He, he, you know, in the way that Alfredo is cool with young people these days. Uh, so when he scored that goal, he told us on Heart and Hand, the interviews in the, in the archives folk, that he slipped. And he didn't mean it. <laughs> and, I, and I told him he was talking bollocks. And <laughs> he said with a smile, that nah, wasn't a bad one, was it? It really was not a bad one. And the commentary from Archie, uh, I watched, see, I do do my research. I watched this the other night. And the commentary from Archie, where he goes, and the man who cost a million, million. quid 
started to pay that back, incidentally, Archie wanted value for money. It's a, it's a stupendous goal, and the celebration's great, you know, the way he runs off it's to the, 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 hand, yeah, the yeah. hand up in the air, you know, the one arm up in the air, and, and the, the game's drawing on. I thought Aberdeen had won it when that chance comes in the last minute. Yeah. I think, well, there you go. You know, that's, you know, and and I died a thousand deaths in the time it came for that one to not end up in the back of the net. But I'm kind of settling down for extra time at this point. Um, last year, I think we're going on all the way at this point. Um, I think we're going to have a repeat uh, of of what we saw the previous year. And then it falls. And, and this is the thing when I talk a lot about, well, Ali was our Roy the Rovers Things like this. That's a last-minute winner in an Epic Cup final that nobody even talks about because he's got so many of these things. Yes. But of course, Ali McCoy gets the winner in the last minute of a Cup final. Of course he does because that's that's what he did. And, you know, we, we talk about this nowhere near enough as if this is something that happens regularly. And, you know, oh, yeah. It's a last-minute winner in an Epic Cup final between two really seriously good teams. Uh, but it, it was just him and the smile uh, as he runs away could have lit up the, the the whole of that area, you know. He was he, he, he was at his kind of you know, cheeky chappy best in that moment. But again, these are the things that even as a kid I knew it was just utter rubbish that people would say, ah, he's lucky, the ball keeps yeah. falling to him in the box. And I thought, no. well, how come it doesn't keep falling to anybody else in the box? No, it's that yeah. instinct. Oh, sorry. I'll just go there. I'll just be here. I'll wait here, and he's there to tuck it away. Yeah. See if you. I mean, if you watch him, David. I mean, obviously the Hibs one. You know, the overhead kick. The whole. I mean, it's it's a movie. A decent one, McCoy's his record, and as you say, all of those wonderful goals that away it leads the whole. You know, the whole thing. But what I loved about him was. It was that whole kind of movement. I remember seeing him after he had finished with us and, you know, Kilmarnock, and they used to do those charity. I don't know if you guys can remember, maybe it would be up at St. James's Park or whatever, but one of those kind of soccer aid thingies or whatever. Yeah. And he would, he, I remember him coming on then, and obviously the size of him at that point in time. He only came on with about 15 minutes or so. And I was, I was saying to Margaret, watch this, watch this. And I'm telling you, the ball came into the box the way, like a John Robertson, but the way McCoy's just faded one way, turned both. And I'm sure in a couple of them, he just scored these goals. And as you say, it wasn't a luck at all. Do, no, do you know I, what I mean? Do you remember the game against AC Milan Legends? And Alex That's right. On the bench? And he was a big individual at this point. Great um, finish, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, but ball comes into the box, boom, pops the head up, nods at home. Uh, Ali McCoy, if he didn't have to run, would be able to do that in his 80s. It's just that natural, instinctive ability and sorting out your feet in time and, and knowing where they go, and the hunger and the desire to do it. Oh. But I, I, look, this game could have gone either way. I don't think there's a case of... There are certain matches we go, I felt we deserved to nick it. And this one, I think both teams were a wee bit unlucky if they'd lost yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's you know, for, for the neutral, it's your ideal cup final. I think they're, you know, you could make an argument for both teams, but those arguments are only for the pub. It's, it's strikers, I guess, that, that, that set all these things. And here's an interesting stat that, that probably shows up the, the, the kind of chaos of the, the, the previous season. That, that incredible final we talked about there, boys, from almost exactly a year ago there's only two Rangers players in this starting 11 that played in that game just a year ago and that's Goff and McCoy 
crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So much change, felt, so much though, turnover. It felt different. That's the thing, you know. And again, I know I talk a lot on this about about feelings, and maybe it's just because you know, as a, as a child, you, you sense a lot more than you maybe understand um, directly. It did feel like we mm. were much more complete. I mentioned the last time I was on that the season before had felt that it had a ragged quality to it throughout, that yeah. it was bits and bobs just not quite fitting together. This season, almost from the off, you know, there, there wasn't that. There was this sort of cohesion and this feeling that there was a place for everything and everything was in its place. It, it was almost, David, as if at the start of that previous season, we didn't really have enough to, you know, we end up signing, obviously, Walters and Wilkins and Ian Ferguson as it went through. It was almost as if the kind of, the plan was ultimately to get to that one, but we couldn't, you know, previously before the shit season. But as you say, getting to this one now, it just like you'd said at the intro, you and Martin talking about it, it was, it was that, just the shape and the balance. You could see that things were beginning to be pulled together. Mm. Soon as thought that Ferguson was kind of unfairly maligned in that half season, less than half a season um, that he'd, he'd arrived before, because soon as he felt he had to play him up front because of McCoy's injury, he mm-hmm. he took his hand, he raised it, and he he walked him over at the Rangers support so that he got what he believed was the, the appropriate acclaim for, for his role in that cup final. Um, and as I've written about before, two weeks after some midfield dynamite was removed from, from the, the team, here's another excellent midfielder just coming in to, to, to score such an important goal. This was a sense that Rangers would just be too powerful and the resources too much. Um, okay, so one cup in the bag. Uh, we've got Europe in midweek, um, a trip to Cologne um, in Germany, obviously, West Germany again, providing um, some difficult opposition in Europe. Um, Sunis does not make a substitute in that breathless, exhausting cup final and he makes only two changes for the trip to, to West Germany uh, for 75 minutes we played the perfect European away leg in the Mungersdorf Stadium, wrote Soonest later um, and weirdly Rangers did, Butcher had a good chance, Ali McCoyce missed an absolute sitter <laughs> yeah. in the second half, a strangely comfortable, compact um, display uh, in, a, you know, in, in a difficult away leg this Cologne team had five members of the West Germany side that would win the World Cup uh, in 1990 Bodo Eltner Pierre Lebarski Thomas Hassler Jürgen Kohler who Mark Walter said never gave him one touch of the ball but yet again it was concentration that, that, that let Rangers down Gary Stevens misjudged the bounce of a cross uh, and Olaf Janssen's lob was expertly executed super stuff Chris Woods was way off his line uh, and thus rendered helpless 1-0 not the end of the world we talked about this before but within 10 minutes the whole complexion of the tie changes very smart move uh, Butchers dragged out of position Goff dragged out of position uh, before Thomas Aloff was allowed to poke it home and again Alan maybe fatigue three days earlier Rangers played on that Sunday in that, in that cup final, not a change made you're asking the same players to do it again um, and there's maybe a bit of a tiredness and this is when that, that old Rangers from the last season maybe comes out uh, McCoy's final minute of the game a wild challenge justified yeah. red card um, I mean Kevin Drinkle found the Rangers goal at Ibrox but it was never enough and uh, Cologne got an equaliser with the last kick of the ball and yet again, Europe's just remaining a mystery to the manager who had kind of conquered it so often as a player. Your memories of that Cologne 
doubleheader. Yeah, the, the, obviously the first leg, as you say, I thought we were doing really well. As you say, big boots, but one by the McCoy's one. I, I seem to remember it. It's just as if he tried to just softly chip the goalkeeper and mm. it was cleared. But again, you're getting to 70 minutes or so and you're thinking, you know, this is okay. Again, because we're controlling things and obviously going 2-0 down. McCoy's, I think, sent off. It was like a stud. He jumped, didn't he? Or yeah, just like a ridiculous... Point. Ridiculous one of the end. He, he lost uh, his head. Aye, aye. Which he'd because done he had, before in Europe. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he did one kick because they had an excellent defence, um, made an arse of it, and then the rest of the time he's just running about chasing shadows. And he, he, he lost his Ali admitted in his book um, that at this stage in his career, early in his European career, before he had really, you know, really established himself. Scotland even and had that international experience, the foreign defenders were able to wind him up um, quite often. He said in this particular game, uh, the guy that he tackled was watching as he walked off and he looked up and winked at him. And, he thought, I, and he thought, I'm not going to do that again. And he thought, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and he mentioned that in his book and he said, um, you know, like a, a couple of years later, he's playing for uh, 89, actually he's playing for Scotland against France. And their big defender looks on or kept fouling him and pulling his hair and pulling his leg hairs and saying, oh, you bad player, you bad player. And he said, I just would get up and smile and go, me bad player, but me going to the World Cup. Um, he as, learned. As we not yeah. transit. But he learned, unfortunately, at a cost. And that cost was to mm. us. Yeah, no, definitely. I've got, sorry, my other one that I wanted to, I'll probably not get on the pod again, Martin and David. So I just wanted to bring this point. In the return leg, Again, atmosphere and so on, but we mm. tried our best, not very well first half. Second half, we put them under a hell of a lot of pressure, and we did. I mean, Goff, I think, hit the post uh, with a header and so on. We managed to get one back. Uh, Goff was actually put up front. It was a bit like the, oh, what was the one against Inter Milan with John McClellan? You know, type of... Eight, you know, the, four, yeah. And what I wanted to kind of bring up now with Goff, and Goff, without a doubt, is a legend, one of the greatest Rangers players ever, mm-hmm. you know, that we've had. But the one thing that I always had all the way through this with Richard Goff was Richard Goff was better in the opposition box in terms of the air. Even, even at Dundee United when I saw him, uh, obviously with Rangers too, I felt that defensively at times, the likes of you compare him and Butcher, obviously six foot four, I think you mentioned, but I felt yeah. at times Richard Goff defensively in the box. And I go back to the Spurs Coventry final, if you watch that one, yeah. when he was oh, a captain my as well. God. This was on Alan, that, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. To cut in. That, that Spurs Coventry 87 final was on, remember when lockdown started properly? Yeah. And it was quite clear no one was getting back to anything for, for some time and the, the weather was great. Um, uh-huh. But the BBC ran all these old, because it was May, so they, they ran a lot of these old cup finals or whatever and, and I, I just happened across it. Oh my word, it's a shocker. I mean... Well, as a, I mean, as a centre half, I know here we go. But it was always a, you know, getting side watching your man and right. so on. So I tend to always to look at, and as I say, the, one of the greatest players, such a great athlete. You know, originally kind of right back, great in the other box, and you'll see in this game in particular the chances, and he's did it does it again and again. But that was my only one wee thing about Richard Goff at times. You know, just defensively in the box. But as I say, in the second half, we did, we, we battered them. The big man was great. But then I think they scored Martin. It was pretty much injury time nah, or so, wasn't it? The ball, yeah. it? It was gone then. Gone. No, you'll you get back on because I, 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 I too hold this uh, 
sacrilegious opinion. Uh, Richard Goff is a top tier ranger. He is probably the toppest of the tier in terms of captain because he is a leader and he was the skipper and that's why you, you would have him in your Rangers team, probably any Rangers team of, of all time because of those qualities. Apart from um, John Gregg, but on you go, yeah, okay. Oh, it's certainly my lifetime. Um, yeah, he, sorry. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, certainly, he certainly didn't let a Celtic team run all over him, but he no. he, he, he had he had that, that kind of quality for sure and we'll get to it in a, in a couple of seasons when, you know, Soonis again creates this maelstrom um, and it's Goff that, that that kind of leads the leads the team through for him. He he is a skipper. Um, oh yes, but yeah. I'm I've never been convinced technically. He had the, the attributes as a player that matched his attributes as a as a as a leader as a captain. Do you still have him there we because saw, of those? But um, yeah, yeah. We saw, talk, talking about we saw Butcher. In the previous season, yeah, we, Butcher's yeah, a different. We, we, I think Butcher's a different league. I think if you look at, I think if you look at, there are times even coming up through the nineties that there were seasons where Rangers in the air were an absolute nightmare defensively, and I'm thinking of the the Bolly and Golf year. Yeah, Golf's um, not that tall. I'm thinking about ninety seven, ninety eight. No, he's 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 not. Um, if you look at when he was at his best in terms of us in the air, you you just think back to the previous season with Roberts. He was always better as. The leader of the team, sure, but the second guy in the defence. Yes. That it would be the, the, the kind of aggressive guy next to him and he would be the, the sweeper type, um, if you like, and behind. But I just think that in, in in general in these two matches, we've done that thing over in in Germany that, that we were to do so many times mm, and that we were to do all throughout the 90s which is Stuart McCall said it very eloquently I thought when he said we never really made the change from the fact that in Scotland if we gave the ball away we'd get it back yeah pretty much instantly if we gave the ball away it's a shot Europe, to them or a goal we didn't yeah. we didn't see the ball for 10 minutes and that's how he put yeah. it and again we've done that and and that failure to understand that 76 minutes is not enough. Yeah. It yeah. only will take two slips and you can be completely out of the tie. And it's so frustrating, and David, because, because the games yeah, in Scotland, yeah. well, yeah, but because, because this is not, this is, this is yeah, at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. They didn't, foreign teams didn't play yeah. 100 miles yeah. an hour for 90 minutes. They, hit, they ebbed and flowed that. Yeah. So we are sitting quite comfortable you know, 60, 70 minutes thinking this is fine. Whereas, of course, the Germans are sitting at 60, 70 minutes going, right, 70 minutes, we go again. Yeah. We never got our head around that. And it, it, it frustrated the life of as soon as because for so long, Rangers have put in your, as I said, your archetypal away leg performance. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's very good. Should have scored that, that vital away goal, which in those days really was. Um but you're absolutely right, David. It's 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 not it's the game management. It's it's composure for the entire duration, um, and if we're you know, trying to be rounded and honest, as, as much as we'll criticise Rangers' performances in Europe, the, the lot didn't go the way. Oh, ever. The, 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 box, the, 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 the breaks just never arrived. But um, you, you made your mention a very good point, though. You also made a very good point there. How often in Europe did we not take the chances yes. that we created? How often? Um, the, the, the exception being 92-93, we were often guilty in Europe of making enough chances, which domestically we would have put one or two away, but not we converting. Didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And 
not converting them when they needed converted, i.e. away from home. Um, we were get, I can't think of many Rangers games, even when we get knocked to um, uh, Red Star as one. Yeah. But the, you you watched and they, you were like, well, we never get a kick. We never get out of our half. That didn't happen, but we didn't take them. We weren't in any way near as prolific as we could be. And we were up against sides whose game management was light years ahead yeah, of ours. Okay. And mm-hmm. they were they were far more able to go, right, we're up against a, a committed, quite talented, naive team. And they yeah. overwhelmed us with the mental side of the game. And we have shows to discuss the, the, the soonest five years, um, which obviously ends in Belgrade, really, um, in, in Europe. And we'll, we'll, we'll try and take a kind of wider perspective of that. But I, I would agree with, with a lot of that. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that. Here, Bucharest, uh, there's, there's maybe another one as well. And this is another theme against bigger teams when it matters. Your golden boy that you talked about, Davey, where you, you, you roy the Rovers uh, absolute um, uh, time after oh. time after time in domestic situations. And listen, filled his boots in Europe. Um, and, you know, Morelos not that long ago um, overtook that record. But, and this will be something that, that, that is revisited again and again, um, when the, the, the levels went up, he, he does something kind of missing there. taking Not taking chances that, if it's against Motherwell, mm-hmm. the, the, the net ripples. Because uh, he knows if thing. it's against it's Motherwell, exactly, he knows if that chance I'll happens for Park, one. he will get yeah. another get one. another one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we, we, one we, will, we will come it's to that, all that. Ali couldn't have been a striker in Serie A in nope. that era. Nope. Because nope. of the whole, you get four chances a month. Yeah. He rush true. couldn't. No, he exactly. He rushed exactly. it as well. And there's a, there's a, maybe a, yeah, there's a, there is a tension and there's a breakaway, which again we'll get into. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Serie A because the British style was the English style, really, that had a grip on the European Cup and other competitions as well. Obviously, ended with Heysel, Um and things are things are changing, shall we say? Um, and and maybe not everyone is is, is seeing the writing on the wall. Uh, we'll finish on the 12th of November. Um, the next old firm game, and once again, it was a, a healthy, sound win uh, for the team that, that conceded the, the first goal. Um, but sadly, Rangers were on, on the wrong end of this one. Uh, Mark Walter scored an early penalty, but it was cancelled out by his captain. Terry Butcher scored more goals past Chris Woods than any Premier Division striker, by the way. Um, and just a hungrier Celtic went on to win 3 1 quite deservedly. Uh, there was a 0-0 draw at Dundee, which left Rangers only two points of Ab- ahead of Aberdeen at the top, although six ahead of Celtic. But, you know, the pressure began to build. McCoy's absence was made worse when, following the Celtic game, Chris Woods came down with what was believed to be a flu, but would in fact transpire to be labyrinthis- uh, labyrinthitis. Um, so in addition to the loss of Durant, Rangers would now be without two other key players for... The difficult Scottish winter. Gentlemen, the, the injury jinx has returned uh, so much so, David, that, that Sunnis was in talks with Newcastle United to try and bring John Robertson back home to Scotland. He's a very short spell away from Hearts, uh, but it wasn't a deal that could be done in the end. Um, I know what you mean about conditioning and all, all the stuff we, we said before. Um, I mean, the Woods thing is, is just, again, another oh, bit of bad luck. Uh, and it's, it's just bad luck, yeah, that one's... And same, he, he did look after himself. Yeah. You know, same time of year, 
there, those are three huge players. It's not Butcher. Oh. You, we talked, of course, about Butcher's stature, but Durant, McCoyst, and, and Woods are still yeah, a big yeah. spine of the team there. Well, your goalkeeper. Yeah, and your goalkeeper. I mean, in any era, but particularly then when really the idea was you had your goalkeeper and then you had some bloke, you know, to, <laughs> to right, fill yeah. in. Basically, Martin, every team had a goalkeeper and a Willie Caballero, mm. right? Or a, or a Stuart James. They didn't, uh, they, they, they didn't think that you had two good goalkeepers. Um, if anyone's had, I've had labyrinthitis a few times because once you get it, you're most susceptible mm. to it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners have because it's, it's commonly diagnosed now. It wasn't then. Um, and for months, Alan will remember the press, he had a mystery ear. And that right. ear that was affecting yeah. his balance. Because uh, I'm not sure, medical professionals know more than me, um, if it even had that term yet. If you've had it, it's horrible because some of the time you feel all right when you've got it. And then you'll go to lean over and you'll just keep falling because you've got absolutely no balance control at all. It makes you feel sick. It makes you feel nauseous. Uh, it screws with your balance. It's a horrible illness to have. Um, you know, it's not life-threatening, but it's deeply unpleasant. Um, and as I say, it, it's now much more commonly diagnosed. But back then, we were reading in the papers, Martin, mystery yeah. illness. Yeah, infection now, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and you're thinking, is he coming back? He mm. genuinely didn't know if he, if he would come back. So there was that that worry. At this point, I've never seen us in my conscious life win at Parkhead. Mm. So my expectations <laughs> are massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rangers, no, genuinely, Rangers have not won at Parkhead since I've been, you know, able to consciously follow football. And we go there and we get the early penalty and we score it. And I'm feeling pretty confident at this point. But then, as you say, you get overrun. And how often do we see that in old firm, you know, history after a real big doing in one of the matches? The when other the one does it. Are evenly split. Yeah. When there's a more even, uh, I know it would prove eventually Celtic that it wasn't even. But at this point, they're the champions and it's still early enough in the season. And they haven't gone off a cliff completely yet. Yeah, when the teams are balanced, how often do you see it? Because of exactly what Martin said there about hunger, we let ourselves down the last one. We cannot do this this time. We have to go out and we've got to atone for it. And I think back, of course, the Rangers example being the 6-2 defeat was followed up with a 5-1 game at Ibrox. Yes, um, yeah. and, and it is, I think, hunger. Now, I'm sure that we could all say, oh, it's an old fun game. You should be absolutely hungry. Well, yeah, right. I get that. But they were like men possessed that day. They, they, they just, there was no way that they weren't getting something from mm. that match. And Rangers made errors, you know, an own goal. She was oh, prolific, geez. wasn't he? Oh, oh big yeah. budget. Remember that one at Tanadive? I was just going to say up with the United as well. A 40-yard diving header, looping diving header over his own goalkeeper. Um uh, and, and, you know, an own goal gets them back into it and that gives them the fill. And at Parkhead, especially in they, that era... They, ba- they batted... Yeah, they would just... It would be the, ca- the cavalry uh, charge, wasn't it, Alan? It was just... I, or, I, mean, I think, even with me, I mean, I, I would go all the time. They would be lucky if we'd half a dozen chances. I think my... Probably Alec Miller, about 1980 or something, the 2-1 was probably the last time I had seen them as well. Do you know, and so yeah. in a way, you, you lose 3 1 at Parkhead, but because of the last, I don't know, umpteen years, in a way, you just you think, oh, well, Parkhead's sort of like right. that. We just need yeah, to get one. Way. As you say, we'd beat them before at hours, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we would go in and then something 4 1 later this year. The expect, or 
start of next year, but later that season. Um, the expectation levels weren't huge, and I no. do think that plays into it. I do think the fact is, you know, and it's still home advantage in an old firm game is still a huge thing, even now, and always will be. But but back then, in particular, we had a woeful record. Uh, and then, funnily enough, in the 90s, we were both good at the opposite ground yeah, for yeah. a while. Well, uh, there's, and there's, there's a... run of, there's a theory in that which we'll, we'll, we'll come to. Yeah, um, there's a run of, of poor results, but I just felt that day, you know, we chuck on Andy Gray and mm-hmm. we're trying to, um, you know, we're trying to get something back, but they're in their element. And and this was the thing about the Celtic team this season, as we would find out, which was that they put everything in 87, 88, absolutely everything. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. They had really gone for it, right? And there wasn't a lot left in the tank, but this is another example of them, if you like, gathering together you know the last remnants of what's in the fridge to make a big dinner that it was all or nothing on a couple of occasions for them this season and this was this was one of them you can't sustain that it doesn't sustain over this season they they, you know fall apart completely because it wasn't there was no foundation to it but yeah it's a rangers team going there i don't think with the belief that it can get a victory if i'm being absolutely honest going a goal up and then you, you've got to expect they're going to fight you. That's all they've got left for you. And Rangers do not stand up to it. And in the end, they're comfortably beaten. If we're beaten David, the, there's a wee bit of a comparison to Europe. I know apart from the ones where we thought, if we go through this season, we could win it. But, but over the next 17 years as well, where you kind of go out of Europe after one or two rounds, it's a bit like this at Parkhead as a Rangers fan. Because when I was thinking about the Cologne one as well, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, devastation. It, it just became a, a quell. We didn't really do too well in Europe. And that mindset seemed to be uh, prevalent in the umpteen years around Parkhead. Yeah. You know, which obviously, as you say, will have to change. But, but I, I, it was a blow. But again... Even good teams would go to Park. You know, that's the thing. You could go to the good times as well. You could still go to Parkhead and lose. Yeah. Anyway, that- of course you could. Well, so it's been a long time, though, gentlemen, since we, we, we won at Parkhead. Uh, the next episode might have some better news on that <laughs> front. We will get to that, of course, in due course. Uh, oh, John Robertson would have been an interesting signing if that had been pulled off. Eddie. Um, oh, yeah. A great player, great goal scorer, and actually could play with McCoy because initially and over the years I've heard people say, "Oh, he's too similar to McCoy." They played for Scotland a few times and they were very, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. decent. They played similarly. He wasn't on the same level anywhere near as Morris Johnson, of course, but they they worked as a twin partnership. You know, they didn't make the same runs as each other. So I don't think that it's beyond the realms of possibility that that one could have worked. One of the things I love about it though, Martin, is uh, John Robertson refers to that stay at Newcastle as his holiday. Yeah, he's a hearts hearts boy, of course. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much. We will end there. Thank you, David. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. And Alan, as always. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Martin. Really appreciate it, yeah. We're leaving you mid-November. Rangers have gone through a bit of a bumpy patch, but still two points clear. And Robertson signing didn't come off, but many would have assumed that Soonest would have been in the market to just tide Rangers over this new injury crisis. Very few realised that Soonest was currently involved in another deal that would change the pace of the Rangers' modernisation significantly. Until then, bye for now.
Smartcast Network.